Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is August the 21st, 2020. Summer almost in the rearview mirror, but not quite yet. I hope all of you are doing well. If you're out on the uh, West Coast, I hope you're safe from the fires and all the craziness. Um, We're living in a difficult, dangerous era, and the um, Democrat convention made it clear that um, this is going to be an election of significant consequences. I believe America truly stands at crossroads this evening. I thank you for joining me. Uh, I, I want to get right into so much of this, but uh, those of you who are familiar with me know that I've been a man on a mission uh, even before the ashes from 9-11 landed on my home here in New York City. Um, we have seen so many existential threats to America and Americans And so many of our politicians, uh, not unlike Nero, are fiddling um, while Rome burns, you know, while we face all these challenges. So we really need to deal with the truth. You know, that old movie, um, A Few Good Men, You Can't Handle the Truth. Well, folks, I am here to provide you with the truth, the good, the bad, the ugly, because there is, after all, only one version of the truth. I want to get started, though by making note of a couple of quick things, because I just have to. First of all, um, The Blaze just published a report. uh, Actually, it's yesterday, but they sent me the email notice of it today. I guess they're running a little bit late. Here's the headline. I mean, this just blows me away, and it's emblematic of what is wrong with America, what is wrong with our alleged political representation, you know, so much for President Lincoln's brilliant perspective of an American government that was of the people, by the people, for the people. Ready? Fasten your seatbelts. Here we go. Report with Chicago police already stretched thin. Mayor Lightfoot stations over 100 cops outside her home and bans protests on her block to protect her. I guess we could now call her house Fort Lori. Just stop and think about it. Look, we know that political figures get police protection, Secret Service protection. They can become the targets. We get that. But with the carnage that we've been seeing in Chicago, she says, well, I have the right to live in peace. Really? What a novel thought. A resident of Chicago has the right to live in peace. Not the rest of the people. Oh, no, those poor bums, the hell with them. But Lori Lightfoot needs to get her beauty sleep. First, she needed a haircut during COVID when you could have gotten fined and maybe locked up for going for a haircut. But as she told reporters, I am a public figure. Uh, Lori, if you're listening, I doubt it. But if you are, you need more than a haircut. My God, do you need more than a haircut. And even plastic surgery does not cure ugliness from within. To be that contemptuous of the people that you are supposed to look out for, utter contempt 
kids are being shot dead. Violence on an unprecedented level. I would love to know how you sleep at night. See, if I was in your situation and I had opted to do the things you've done, Lori Lightfoot, my conscience would keep me awake at night, not the noise of the demonstrators or perhaps rioters. Oh, we can't say that word in your town, I guess. What's keeping you awake at night shouldn't be the rioters. It ought to be your lack of conscience. It ought to be the dead bodies that are piling up like firewood, including children. That's what should be keeping you awake awake at night. But this is the double standard we keep saying again and again and again. You have the right to speak freely as long as you agree with us, and if you don't, we will attack you. Look at what just happened at Goodyear. This is amazing. We are now entering an era of fascism, as far as I'm concerned, brought to you by the radical left. Goodyear has told their employees, oh, you, uh, you can wear Black Lives Matter paraphernalia. That's okay, but don't you dare put on a MAGA hat and certainly don't wear a cap that says Blue Lives Matter. See, that, that doesn't cut it. How does a company tell their employees that they can wear clothing that has the slogan Black Lives Matter, but they can't wear clothing that says Blue Lives Matter? <clears throat> Suddenly, corporations are doing the bidding of a political party. When you blur the distinction between private enterprise and government, and government starts to control private enterprise, and that kind of relationship goes on, you're marching towards the precipice known as fascism, where the government controls companies, or perhaps vice versa. You know, for the longest time, we've watched America head towards being an oligarchy. I've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. A professor at Princeton University made that point. Uh, nearly 10 years ago, that America had become an oligarchy where the wealthy got what they wanted, everyone else was screwed, like the residents of Chicago, like the employees of Goodyear, except when President Trump showed some chutzpah. You know, he's a New Yorker, and I relate to this guy. Don't always agree with him. I think he can be more articulate and more nuanced in his conversations, although I have to tell you, I watched his news conference today, and I loved it. thought he did a great job. But my gosh, he stood there and said, if this is the way they're going to do business, I'm asking Americans to boycott Goodyear. Holy smoke, now you're getting to what bothers them or matters to them the most, profit at any and all cost. So now they're trying to backpedal. Wow. Look, we have got to safeguard that First Amendment. I know people for years have been saying, Mike, we've got to worry about the Second Amendment, and I've always told them, look out for the First Amendment. When you lose the freedom of speech, it's over. When you can't wear a hat that says blue lives matter, it's over. When a painter goes out and paints a blue line in front of a police precinct on a a traffic island because the mayor saw fit to go out in front of Trump Tower and other locations around the city, and in big, bold letters, huge letters, you could see them from space, black lives matter. That was okay. This guy paints a thin blue line. And the traffic department got a hold of him almost immediately and said, remove it or else. God only knows what or else is. We've released murderers, but I'll bet they'll put him in jail for painting a blue line. First Amendment. Did anyone see a First Amendment lying around here being spat on by our supposed leaders who took an oath to uphold the Constitution? What Constitution? We don't need no stinking Constitution. The idiot governor of of New Jersey was asked during during an interview on Fox, at the height of the COVID pandemic, 
about why he was allowing people to go to liquor stores but not churches. What about the Constitution? And unbelievably, he said, the Constitution is above my pay grade. The Constitution is above your pay grade. That ought to be grounds for immediate impeachment. If you think that the Constitution is above your pay grade and you're the governor of a state and you wield that sort of authority and power, you need to be removed. It's very simple. You worry, the left worries about Donald Trump. I worry about Obama and Clinton. I certainly worry about Joe Biden, and I most definitely worry about Camilla, or I call her Chameleon Harris. And why do I worry about them? Because they're trying to jam down our throats policies that would be devastating, irrevocably devastating to America. And for the record, ladies and gentlemen, I've been a lifelong registered Democrat my whole life. I'm still registered as a Democrat, but these folks are not Democrats. They're anarchists. They're seditionists. They're anything but Democrats. They're anything but liberal. And there's nothing progressive about what they want. It is regressive. They want segregation from a different perspective, but that's really what they're calling for. Forget equality. They don't want equality. Not when you can chant uh, white privilege and black lives matter. Other lives don't matter. People who aren't black don't matter. Is that what you're telling me? So we don't have equality? We don't have equal protection under the law? This is a humongous step backwards. I mean, really a step backwards. Equal protection means that everyone gets treated fairly. Obviously, they don't want fair treatment for everybody, just for themselves and their select few. They've been jumping up and down about the Green New Deal. There was a report on Fox. I didn't get the chance to watch all of it as I was preparing uh, to go live with my podcast today, with my radio program today. But it could be that some of the lack of electricity in California in the wake of the fires and everything else may have something to do with how they are looking to have only renewable energy. Now, let me be clear. I wish that our scientists would, for once and for all, come up with a way of harnessing nuclear fusion, not fission. We've been doing that for decades, and we get radioactive byproducts, which can be a real problem. Fusion is the energy, the way that the sun and all stars produce energy. It's about forcing atoms of hydrogen together to make helium and in the process relieving lots of energy with very, very little radiation. It would really be the holy grail of free energy, seriously, pollution-free, wonderful, limitless energy. If we could figure out a way, if the scientists and engineers and physicists could figure out a way to create nuclear fusion, I hope the day comes. But it always seems to be 20 years away. It was 20 years away uh, back during the 1964-1965 World's Fair. They actually had a fusion demonstration in the, ba- in the basement of the uh, Carousel of Progress. That was, I believe, the domain of General Electric. So we've always been told it's 20 years away. If we could have clean, pollution-free energy, sign me up. We are polluting the environment terribly. You look at cancer rates and autism rates and Alzheimer's and all these other diseases, and you really have to wonder how much of it is the result of pollution. So I would love to see us clean up our nest. I mean, we're fouling our own nest, and that's not good. But the regulations that they want would not necessarily cure the problems because it always seems like when you talk about Solyndra, if you remember that company that made a fortune on government money and went bankrupt and God knows where the money went, there always seems to be an angle where money goes missing, millions and millions of dollars. 
So is this really about cleaning up the environment or is it about looting the, the economy? Is it about destroying America because there's an agenda in play? And we're going to get to that shortly because if you look at what I wrote on the website for my radio show today, uh, I happened to trip over an incredible piece of testimony provided by President John F. Kennedy just 20 days after Alan Shepard was launched into space back in 1961 where he warned about his concerns about freedom around the world. And I want to spend some time on it because it's really important. But before we do that, I just want to make brief note that there was an article online on the website of Space Weather. I always check it out. I, I subscribe to lots of these websites because knowledge is power, and I try to get information from as many disciplines, from as many different sources as possible. Because when you keep hearing the Democrats say, follow the science, scientists, don't always agree with each other, folks. There are many ways of seeing the universe, and there is a division in the way scientists conceive of the science. Not everyone agrees with the Big Bang. Some people think about string theory. We can go down a whole list of areas where there are debates that rage within the scientific community, whether it's in medicine, whether it's in physics. There's lots of areas of disagreement, including global warming or climate change. For the longest time, I've made the point that we need to ask questions. It's interesting, Trey Gowdy has a book out about asking questions. I've been a very big fan of asking proper questions. Uh, you know, understand that you judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask, not about the facts they spew. Einstein said that principles were far more important than facts. Because once you understand scientific principles, you can assemble all the facts that you need. But understand just how important Voltaire made the point that you judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask. So here's my question. If you look at Earth's history prior to humans emerging on the planet, going back millions of years ago, geologists have been able to do studies, and they've come up with an interesting finding. Planet Earth has undergone numerous ice ages and then thawed out, and then there were more ice ages, and we thawed out, and then there were more ice ages, and we thawed out. Now, to my knowledge, no one has ever found a fossilized dinosaur behind the wheel of an 18-wheeler buried in some rock formation. I don't think they drove 18-wheelers, okay? So here's the obvious question. If there's no humans and no vehicles and no burning of hydrocarbons, how did the Earth go from ice age to thawing to ice age to thawing to ice age to thawing without anybody burning fossil fuels? And the point of the matter is there are many factors that figure into climates. It's not just carbon dioxide. And I, I know I've mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning because what just happened now, and one of the key issues, I believe, and there's a few key issues about climate, is that the sun, our star, right, is a variable star. Now, what does that mean? It puts out more energy and it puts out less energy. When the sun puts out more energy, the earth gets warmer. When the sun puts out less energy, the earth gets cooler. If you have a light bulb, an old incandescent light bulb on a dimmer switch, you make it brighter, you put your hand near it, your hand gets hot. You make it dimmer, your hand cools off. You turn it off, your hand is not warm at all. God forbid the sun should turn off. But understand the point. A lot of our climate is driven by the sun and how much energy the sun puts out. So here was an interesting article published on this science website, spaceweather.com, news and information about the sun-earth environment. 
This is really critical. We have satellites orbiting the Earth and the sun so that we are learning more about the sun. The Parker Space Probe right now, if you're not familiar with it, is hurtling just above the uh, coronasphere of the sun. Uh, incredible achievement. This is the extreme heat. It, it, it zips in and then zips back out. And when it zips out, it unfurls its antenna and sends data back, and then they, it plunges back in towards the sun again, barely above the surface of the sun, gathering all kinds of data. Amazing stuff going on if you pay attention to it. So here's something that's interesting. By the way, there was something known as the International Geophysical Year back when I was in public school. I got real excited about it because in 1958 was the beginning of IGY, International Geophysical Year. That was when we were at Solar Max. The sun was most active and so forth. It seems that the sun has numerous cycles, but one of them runs every 11 years. Again, the sun is a variable star. And to give you a little bit more evidence of the fact that the sun is a variable star, on August 18th, here's the article. Um, it says this, cosmic rays are bad, and they're going to get worse. That's the conclusion of a new study entitled Galactic Cosmic Radiation and Interplanetary Space Through a Modern Secular Minimum, just published in the journal Space Weather. And here's what it says. During the next solar cycle, we could see cosmic ray dose rates increase by as much as 75%, says the lead author, Fatima Ramanafard of the University of New Hampshire Space Science Center. This will limit the amount of time astronauts can work safely in space, in interplanetary space, forgive me. So now we're talking about the impact this could have on any missions to Mars involving astronauts, okay? It goes on and says this, cosmic rays are the bane of astronauts. They come from deep space, energetic particles hurled in all directions by supernova explosions and other violent events. No amount of spacecraft shielding can stop the most energetic cosmic rays, leaving astronauts exposed whenever they leave the Earth-Moon system. Back in the 1990s, astronauts could travel through space for as much as 1,000 days before they hit the NASA safety limit on radiation exposure, but not anymore. According to new research, cosmic rays could limit trips to as little as 290 days for a 45-year-old male astronaut and 204 days for females, because men and women have different limits because of unequal dangers to reproductive organs. Why are cosmic rays growing stronger? Blame the sun. Okay, this is a scientific paper, folks. Blame the sun. The sun's magnetic field wraps the entire solar system in a protective bubble, normally shielding us from cosmic rays. In recent decades, however, that shield has been growing weaker as a result of the sputtering solar cycle. Solar activity isn't what it used to be. In the 1950s through the 1990s, the sun routinely produced intense solar maxima with lots of sunspots and strong solar magnetic fields. Now look at the plot above, and there's a graph that they provide. Since the heyday of the late 20th century, the 11-year, remember I just mentioned it, the 11-year solar cycle has weakened, and the sun's magnetic field has weakened with it. So, uh, and it goes on, it says this. This is really interesting. Uh, Rachmaninoff and his colleagues believe we could be entering a grand minimum, a low, slow dampening of the 11-year solar cycle, which can suppress sunspot counts for decades. The most famous example of a grand minimum is the Maunder minimum of the 17th century when sunspots practically va vanished for 70 years. We know that the sun cranks out more energy and less energy. Do you not think that this affects the temperature of the Earth and climate here on the Earth? What would happen if the sun made the Earth warmer? Not carbon dioxide, but the sun. And there's lots of carbon dioxide dissolved in our oceans, dissolved in icebergs, and so forth. 
The sun warms the earth. The earth gets warmer. The oceans get warmer. If you leave soda out on the back porch and you open it up, you get spritzed by the soda because warmer water can't hold on to gas. Oceans can't hold on to carbon dioxide if the water gets warmer. The sun could very easily warm the earth, and that would liberate lots of carbon dioxide. So really, we have a situation where the carbon dioxide isn't causing climate change, but carbon dioxide is being liberated because the sun is warming the earth, generating more heat, and therefore making the oceans less able to hold on to the gases that are dissolved within the ocean. I had another theory, and I did some research and found out that my hunch turned out to be right. If the earth gets warmer, biomass decays more rapidly. You know, trees fall in the forest, birds fall in the forest, animals die, uh, garbage, all, everything that's out there, everything that involves carbon is, you know, decays because of the activity of bacteria and so forth. Well, guess what happens when temperature goes up? Chemical reactions increase in velocity, liberating more carbon dioxide. So once again, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Did the earth getting warmer cause carbon dioxide to go up, or is it the other way around? There's a lot of scientists who believe that it's the warming earth that liberates the carbon dioxide, okay? Which means we're spinning our wheels, which means the folks that are running around, the, the earth is going to die and people are going to die and little, you know, chicken little, the sky is falling. They're basically selling us Kevlar umbrellas for a falling sky uh, when it doesn't work that way. Now, is it right? Is it wrong? We don't know. But these are the questions that no one asks. And what the other side does is to try to intimidate you so that if you dare ask a question, you get attacked. You don't believe in science. B.S. I sure as hell do. I was a science major originally, and I got two of my kids at least bitten by the science bug to the point that my oldest and youngest sons are both mechanical engineers and doing quite well. They're brilliant. I'm very proud of them. And my other two kids, also very brilliant kids, not doing science professionally. One is a teacher who works with learning disabled children. My daughter is a writer. She has her degree in English. But they love astronomy. They love science because that's what parents are supposed to do, give their kids the incentive to dig deeper and find out more and nurture their curiosity because the most valuable thing we have is curiosity. And when you have curiosity, what does it lead to? Questions. But don't you dare question the radical left because they will come for you. I'm just raising questions that someone needs to ask and no one's asking because people have been intimidated in this land of the free and home of the brave. Don't you dare ask a question because if you go against the narrative, you're going to invite a firestorm on your head. That's not the America that I grew up in. It's not the America that I want my children to inherit from us, from this generation of ours. So let's be clear when we hear this garbage, climate change and the green environment that we're going to stop airplanes from flying and no more gas and no more coal and coal and wait a minute just one moment do we even know what in the world we're doing or are we charging blindly you know in the 70s it was predicted that because of pollution we would immediately enter an ice age now they're saying the earth is warming but there are other scientists who say that no matter what Within 100 years, 200 years, we may be heading towards an ice age. Well, if we're heading towards an ice age, people are going to want to warm the earth, I promise you. So all this is going on as a backdrop 
And what it really does is weaken us. What President Trump has done is to make America, for the first time in decades, energy independent. And he gets attacked. Biden and Camilla and all the others, they attacked him. Oh, my goodness, he, he's done a terrible job. The world laughs at him. He doesn't know how to conduct foreign policy. Really? Well, let me tell you, and I'm not his campaign manager, and I don't always agree with Donald Trump, but as a concerned American, um, I believe you have to get behind the real leader, and I think he is. I'm going to be right up front with you on this. We just saw something incredible happen in the Middle East, the United Arab Emirates entering into a formal agreement with Israel, being followed by the Sudan and other Arab countries. Could you imagine if Arab countries suddenly said, yes, Israel has the right to exist and we want full diplomatic relations with Israel? Wow. It would turn the situation with Iran and China and the Middle East on its ear, wouldn't it? And that's where we are. And who caused this to happen? President Trump, the guy that's not up for being president, the guy that's laughed at by the world. Joe Biden said, well, the president doesn't take COVID seriously. Look back. At the end of January, President Trump said we're going to stop people coming to the United States from China because there's a pandemic brewing. He was immediately attacked by the left as a xenophobe, a hater, and, and on and on. You look at what Cuomo did. He's now written a book. This is Chutzpah. The book he wrote belongs in the science fiction section about how great he was in handling COVID here in New York. Look at how great he was. He got how many thousands of elderly killed by putting people who had COVID back in nursing homes, nursing homes that had no capacity to isolate them or treat them. Meanwhile, the president didn't do anything, didn't take it seriously. Really? He put a naval hospital ship on the East Coast right here in New York on the west side, Another ship in California built field hospitals and turned the Javits Center into the biggest hospital in the United States and staffed it with military doctors and nurses. Didn't take it seriously. He initiated Project Warp Speed to develop a vaccine, and there's now a report that one of the companies may have a vaccine ready to rock and roll in November. Never happened before. Not taking it seriously. What's amazing about the lies is it's easy to see that they're lies. And yet they have the chutzpah to expect that Americans are so damn stupid that they can lie when the evidence of their lies is there on the Internet. Their evidence of lies is um, totally out there. You can see where he is lying. You can see it clearly. And I'm talking not about Trump, but about Biden, Obama, and, and, and all the usual suspects. Obama said that the, the demonstrators were peaceful and the president sent troops out to get them. Tell that to the people who died. Tell that to their family members. Obviously, you can't talk to dead people, but you can certainly talk to the people who lost family or people who were grievously injured or businesses that were reduced to rubble, never to reopen again, people that are now uh, starving because the business that they depended on to feed themselves and their families don't exist anymore. What the prior administration did was to weaponize the Justice Department, the FBI, and even the Internal Revenue Service. There was a lawyer who worked for the FBI who now admitted that he committed fraud when he helped to renew the FISA warrant against the Trump administration. Talk about the fruit of the poisonous tree. Please understand what we're dealing with here. Please understand that the real threat to democracy comes when the police organizations are used like secret police to achieve political agendas. Because that's what's been happening. And this now brings me 
to some research that I did, and it will lead us to the Kennedy statement. One of the allegations is that the President Trump has been hurting relations between the United States and its allies, that he's been hanging out with dictators and, and thumbing his nose at our allies. Well, I didn't see Donald Trump hanging out with Fidel Castro or his brother. Meanwhile, the, the Democrats were all over Cuba. Let's have normal relationships with this communist country. Really, look at Venezuela and what happened to Venezuela. America is now looking, well, the Democrats really want to turn America, I fear, into Venezuela. They're the ones that were so thrilled at what happened to Venezuela. Well, look what happened to Venezuela. It was the wealthiest country in all of Latin America. In came a communist regime. It is now the poorest country in all of Latin America, and Colombia has a serious problem with illegal immigration from Venezuela because people are fleeing for their lives literally. There's no food, there's no water, there's no electricity. Venezuela has been trashed because of communism uh, taking over the control of the government. Look at the deal with Iran putting Iran on a guaranteed pathway to nuclear weapons and providing Iran with tens of billions of dollars in unmarked bills, almost like a bad drug deal, a bad movie. We're trying to reverse all that. When they say we, this administration is trying to reverse all that, securing the border, not against immigrants, but against illegal aliens and with it the flow of drugs, terrorists, and criminals. And understand something. A border wall is not designed to keep anybody out of the United States. This may sound shocking to you if you've never heard me speak about it before, but understand the purpose of the border wall. The wall is not designed to stop anybody from entering into the United States. You think I'm kidding? You will think about it. The border wall does not block off ports of entry. It just exists between ports of entry. So I compare the border wall to the velvet rope at the bank that guides each customer to the next available teller. The purpose for the border wall is to make certain that everyone who seeks entry into the United States is screened and a record of their entry is created as required by law. And if you look at the 9-11 Commission report, and I provide a testimony to the Commission, it made it clear that first and foremost, not only 9-11 attacks, but other terrorist attacks were only possible because of multiple failures of the immigration system, a system that Bush made worse when he created the Department of Homeland Surrender, as I refer to DHS, and a system that got totally trashed by Obama. Both parties are run by globalists, cheap labor and, and you know, commerce, okay, but at the expense of American jobs, American wages, and most disturbing American, and not only American, but innocent lives. We lock our doors at night, not because we're xenophobes or because we're antisocial, but we're prudent. We don't want burglars coming into our house. We don't want home invaders coming into our home while we're sleeping. The difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien, in point of fact, is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. So I remember that when they attacked him over his dealings, Trump's dealings with our allies, it was President Eisenhower, my all-time favorite president, who created uh, the military-industrial complex to defeat the Nazis and then warned us about his creation because of corruption. He was the architect of D-Day. He was the one who told the soldiers to make certain to photograph the atrocities in the concentration camps because Eisenhower told everyone that he feared that 50 years hence, thugs and liars would claim the Holocaust never happened. That's a leader. 
He created the interstate highway system in the United States and turned the National Academy of, of, of Aeronautics into NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, and set our course on flying astronauts in space. Eisenhower was a brilliant leader, and he created NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, to solidify cooperation between our allies and ourselves to protect against future enemies. And then, to his chagrin, to his disappointment, he found that our allies didn't want to pay their fair share, and he complained about it. He said, wait a minute. We're going to provide you with everything, and you're paying for nothing. We should be going Dutch on this date, you know. Why am I paying for your meal? Why am I paying for your soldiers? Why are Americans coming, and, and you're doing nothing? We're not supposed to defend the world by ourselves. This is supposed to be a team effort, and you're sitting out the game. And we've heard that complaint time and time again from one administration after another. Let me read to you something that was written, USA Today opinion piece, and believe it or not, this was published October 3rd, 2016, just before the election. And here's the opinion. Trump's NATO heresy was Eisenhower's wisdom. Then why are people so mad? Because the Donald might actually do something about it. Because Donald Trump said, well, if I get elected president, I'm going to make sure NATO is strong, but we're not going to be left with the tab. We shouldn't be picking up the tab for all these other countries. We should be paying according to how much we can put into this thing so that we share not only the responsibility but the cost. What is wrong with that? You know, my mom used to say one-sided relationships are not relationships. And Trump actually got our allies to pay their fair share. Does it sound like people aren't taking him seriously, that he hasn't grown into the office? Lie after lie. Easy to see that these are lies. Okay, so after I read what what was said about Donald Trump and about Eisenhower, I said, gee whiz, I wonder what Kennedy might have said about all this. And so I went online, and in looking for it, I stumbled upon a true gem. Let me tell you what I come up, came up with. This is amazing. This comes from the president library the john f kennedy library if you've never been there it's a real treat i recommend you go there it's a spectacular building i've been there many years ago and this particular article you can even hear kennedy speaking the words because he addressed the joint session of congress and it's entitled president kennedy's special message to the congress on urgent national needs may 25th 1961 nearly 60 years ago think about that 59 years ago this past may I'm going to read the beginning of this because it's it's really worthwhile. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Vice President, my co-partners in government, gentlemen and ladies, what an interesting way for a president to address the Congress, my co-partners in government. You couldn't imagine President Trump addressing the House that way after what they have done, discredit his election, which was legitimate, attack him and his family and his associates, Attack, attack, attack. Kennedy stood there and referred to the Congress as his co-partners in government. And he said this, The Constitution imposes upon me the obligation to, from time to time, give to the Congress information of the State of the Union. While this has traditionally been interpreted as an annual affair, this tradition has been broken in extraordinary times. These are 
extraordinary times, and we face an extraordinary challenge. Our strength as well as our convictions have been imposed upon this nation, the role of leader in freedom's cause. No role in history can be more difficult or more important. We stand for freedom. This is our conviction for ourselves, that it is our only commitment to others. No friend, no neutral, and no adversary should think otherwise. We are not against any man or any nation or any system except as it is hostile to freedom. Nor am I here to present a new military doctrine bearing any one name or aimed at any one area. I am here to promote the freedom doctrine, the freedom doctrine. Now, what he lays out, he was discussing happening in other countries. As you listen to this, you will understand that what he feared happening in other countries is happening in America right now because of the radical left lunatics. Listen carefully. The great, battle, great battleground for the defense and expansion of freedom today is the whole southern half of the globe, Asia, Latin America, Africa, and the Middle East, the lands of the rising peoples. Their revolution is the greatest in human history. They seek an end to injustice, tyranny, and exploitation. More than an end, they seek a beginning. And theirs is a revolution which we would support regardless of the Cold War and regardless of which political or economic route they would choose to freedom. For the adversaries of freedom did not create the revolution, nor did they create the conditions which compel it, but they are seeking to ride the crest of its wave to capture it for themselves. Yet their aggression is more often concealed than open. They have fired no missiles, and their troops are seldom seen. They send arms, agitators, aids, technicians, and propaganda to every troubled area. But where fighting is required, it is usually done by others, by guerrillas striking at night, by assassins striking alone, assassins who've taken the lives of 4,000 civil officers in the last 12 months in Vietnam alone, by subversives and saboteurs and insurrectionists who, in some cases, control whole areas of independent nations. Now, I want to go back and and repeat this because I want you to think about what was just said here. By subversives and saboteurs and insurrectionists who, in some cases, control whole areas inside of independent nations. I want you to think about the chop zone that we saw in Seattle and what we've been seeing in Oregon setting off an area to themselves, controlling that area, basically lifting it out of that country or out of that location. Isn't that what we have seen with the rioters, with the demonstrators? And when we hear this nonsense, they've been peaceful. Look at the carnage. Look at the damage. Look at the cost in lives and property. This isn't peaceful demonstration. The right for peaceable assembly is certainly guaranteed by the First Amendment. I'm a huge proponent of the First Amendment. My plan, had I not become an INS agent, was to teach debate and speech on the college level. I began debating back in in junior high and high school, then on to college. Debate is essential. It's intellectual capitalism. I don't think anyone should be able to get a degree or a diploma without spending at least one full year, two semesters, as an active participant in a debating team. You learn how to ask the right questions and think critically and think on your feet. Very important skills. These are life skills. 
So I'm all about the First Amendment. But what we saw with the riots was not peaceable assemblage. Federal agents being attacked, being injured, lasers being shined into their eyes, uh, rocks being hurled, people being injured, the, the run on the White House. This isn't peaceful. Bill Clinton tried to redefine the word is. Now you've got the left trying to redefine the word peaceful, apparently. But let me continue on. Now, what I'm about to read to you was not spoken by the president, but was part of the written statement that he gave to the Congress. So it's as much a part of his testimony, although he didn't speak these specific words, but they're worth listening to. They, meaning the foes of freedom, they possess a powerful intercontinental striking force, large forces for conventional war, a well-trained underground. Think of what we're witnessing with all these crazy groups, Antifa and so forth, right? A well-trained underground in nearly every country. The power to conscript talent and manpower for any purpose. The capacity for quick decisions. A closed society without dissent or free information. Think about fake news. Think about how the computer companies won't allow you to post certain uh, material on Facebook or Twitter. Censorship. That's why censorship is dangerous. The brilliant lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, has been very clear about how dangerous it is to start to censor people. That's how you attack democracy. If you disagree with me, if you think what I'm saying is disgusting and repugnant, great. That gives you an opportunity to say to your friend, boy, this guy Cutler is a problem. Look at what he said. I want people to speak their minds so we know who the good guys are, we know who the bad guys are, and we know who we need to be fearful of. We also need to be challenged because we don't always get it right. And sometimes we change our opinion when someone approaches us with an obverse viewpoint and it forces us to think and question in order to form that more perfect union. Questions are critical. The biggest return that we get from the space program is the next set of questions. Again, I remind you that you judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask. But today, asking a question is viewed as heresy that could get you fired or get you physically attacked. This is not the America that I grew up in. Let me continue on, because this next sentence is really critical. They, again, the foes of freedom, they make the most of their scientific successes, their economic progress, and their pose as a foe of colonialism and friend of popular revolution. Colonialism, interesting word. If you listen to what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they call her AOC, I call her Alexandria the barmaid. She wasn't JFK, so I won't call her by her initials. I won't refer to her by her initials. But in that one-minute speech, there was an awful lot to digest. She crammed lots into that one minute. She spoke about America's colonialism. So here we have it clear that she and her fellow travelers in the Democrat leftist party are the foes of colonialism. We're not colonial. But that's the term she used. And interestingly, that was the term that was used by President John F. Kennedy, a Democrat, more than 59 years ago. So let me, let me go back and continue the sentence. They make the most of their scientific successes, their economic progress, and their pose as a foe of colonialism, their pose claiming to be, right? And the friend of, of popular revolutions. They prey on unstable or unpopular governments. 
Look at the discontent that they're sowing. We're going to take a knee. America's terrible. Think about it. America makes mistakes. Human beings make mistakes. I got a laundry list of mistakes I've made in my life. It's part of being human. My parents used to say that's why they put erasers on the back of pencils. But America has been the inspiration for freedom throughout the world. When there's been trouble, whether it was an uprising, whether it was a national calamity, whether it was a volcano or a tsunami or an earthquake or a hurricane, America shows up with the resources to help the world. We are the world's 911 service. Aircraft carriers show up not to launch attacks, but to provide electricity and food and shelter and medical care and so forth. This terrible country of ours, this role model for the world. By the way, interesting question I'll ask you, and maybe you should ask your kids because I'm sure they weren't taught this in their schools. What is the color of the French flag? They call it the tricolor, the tricolor. Now, our flag is red, white, and blue. Theirs is blue, white, and red. The Russian flag also, same three colors. Why? Because America has always inspired freedom. Were we guilty of atrocities with slavery? Absolutely. Did we do terrible things? We sure as hell did. But we've righted those wrongs, and we continue to work at it. And when you see these politicians stand there and read the names of the people who died at the hands of police because they, these were cops who shouldn't have been cops, these are tragedies. They're unacceptable. One life is one life far too many. But why is no one reading the, light, the names of the dozen who are killed every week across America because of defund the police and the attack that the police face so that they need to have a new Miranda warning for law enforcement that says anything you do will be used against you? Do you know that the Democrats want to change laws to make it far easier to criminally prosecute law enforcement officers for any infraction that they appear to be guilty of committing? Who in their right mind is going to go out there, risk their lives to enforce the laws, and then even if they come home alive, they may wind up getting arrested and prosecuted for protecting the public. You have to be a masochist and a damn fool to go out under those circumstances. This is about creating anarchy. And now we know why. President Kennedy laid it out crystal clear. They make the most of their scientific successes, their economic progress, and their pose of a foe for colonialism and friend of popular revolution. This isn't a popular revolution, folks. It's all contrived. They prey on unstable or unpopular governments. They're trying to destabilize the government of the United States. Convulsive change, massive poverty, illiteracy, unrest, and frustration. Why do we have massive frustration and unrest? Number one, we brought in millions of people who are illiterate, millions of people who are unable to support themselves. We've destroyed the middle class by making Americans compete with foreign workers for jobs. So even when Americans don't lose their jobs, their wages are destroyed. So you wind up with massive homelessness. And what do you wind up with? Poverty, illiteracy, unrest, and frustration. I wish the president would make the statement but unfortunately, this is where I disagree with his ability to communicate or willingness to communicate. The comparison I like to make is we've all been in the situation where we were arranging a birthday party or a Thanksgiving dinner or an Easter dinner or a Passover dinner or a Christmas dinner or a Hanukkah dinner, whatever the holiday you want to celebrate. And we're all excited. And then we start to think of all the people we want to invite. and We wind up with many more names than we could possibly invite because our house isn't big enough. The catering hall isn't big enough or our budget 
our budget isn't big enough. So then you start to cross names off the list. You say, well, gee whiz, I'd like to invite 58 people, but darn it, we can only invite 20. So you get out the red pen and you start crossing names off. Tell me, when that happens, and we've all been there, the people who don't get invited, are they people that you hate? Are they people that you don't trust? Or are these simply people that you would love to invite, but you lack the resources? We have finite numbers of jobs. And if you want to talk about the environment, every human being present in the United States has an ecological footprint. It's not just about finding someone a bed to sleep in. They need water and food and electricity. They need to be given uh, heat in the winter, air conditioning in the summer, access to hospitals, access to schools. And you've got the Democrats saying, we're going to stop enforcing immigration laws and have free education and free health care for anybody present in the United States. And if you have a job, you're going to get paid leave, even if you're here undocumented. The immigration laws used to be the primary responsibility of the Labor Department. That's how we built the middle class. That's what Roosevelt did to try to get America out of the Depression. He said, we can't allow foreign workers to come into the country and take jobs that need to go to Americans. We can't allow foreign workers in because not only will they displace Americans, but they would suppress wages. We want the wages to go up because the more people earn, the more they spend. The more they spend, the more the economy grows. The more the economy grows, the more people who go back to work. That was the whole idea to the economic stimulus package to help Americans right now because of COVID and the unemployment. That's the result of it. As it is, our immigration laws don't only tell us who to kick out and who to keep out, and all this is about is aliens with dangerous diseases, aliens who have mental illness, criminals, spies, terrorists, human traffickers, drug smugglers, aliens who would become a public charge if they work with displaced Americans. That's what it's about. But those laws also tell us who to admit, and we admit more lawful immigrants every year than the rest of the world combined, enforcing those very same laws. I spent the years in adjudications officer. I was thrilled to approve green cards for immigrants. We all were. This isn't about how do we beat up on people? How do we discriminate against people? No. Those laws are blind about race, religion, or ethnicity. Go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. It's in my articles at front page. Read it. Those are facts. And there's only one version of the truth. And facts are stubborn things. John Adams was absolutely right. So, they cause America to fail. That's why I wrote an article that for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. They want America to fail. They want homelessness. They want violence in the street. It's hard for me to say it. It's hard to understand how depraved you need to be to be at that point. But chaos in the streets, poverty and suffering are the best friends that totalitarians and communists ever had. Because the goal is to gain Iron-fisted control. Anarchy today and dictatorship tomorrow. They're saying that the president wants that? No. They keep projecting on him what they themselves want. Let me finish, though, because there's some more here that's really worth listening to from John F. Kennedy, one of my favorite presidents. And it was Kennedy's eloquence that got me personally interested back in junior high school in public speaking and debate. I have a certain fondness. Uh, my memories from listening to him deliver his inaugural address. Very inspirational. And you can see what he had to say is so relevant today, 59 years later. He goes on and says, with these formidable weapons, the adversaries of freedom plan to consolidate their territory, to exploit, to control, and finally to destroy the hopes of the world's newest nations. 
take that sentence and replace the world's newest nations with the words United States of America. And they have ambition to do it before the end of this decade. It is a contest of will and purpose, as well as force and violence, a battle for the minds and souls. And didn't Biden say that we were, he was in a contest for the soul of America? Again, John F. Kennedy was prescient, a man ahead of his time, as always. A battle for minds and souls, as well as lives and territory. And in that contest, we cannot stand aside. We stand as we always stood from our earliest beginnings for the independence and equality of all nations. This nation was born of revolution and raised in freedom, and we do not intend to leave an open road for despotism. There is no simple policy which meets this challenge. Experience has taught us that no one nation has the power or the wisdom to solve all of the problems of the world or manage its revolutionary tides, that extending our commitments does not always increase our security, that any initiative carries with it the risk of a temporary defeat, temporary defeat, that nuclear weapons cannot prevent subversion. And here is the final takeaway sentence, folks. Listen carefully. That no free people can be kept free without will and energy of their own and that no two nations or situations are exactly alike. Just think about that. We must do what is necessary to preserve, defend, and protect this nation, our citizens, and the constitutional republic that we are privileged to live in. I don't buy into white privilege. I buy into American privilege. American privilege. My mother came here at the age of 13, ahead of the Holocaust, came legally, lived by herself in a rooming house, and supported herself by working in a sweatshop making umbrellas for $3 a week. And she considered herself privileged to be here because her mother, my grandmother, was killed in Poland because of our religion. We're Jews. This is a very dangerous era. We face many challenges, but most significantly, we face challenges from corrupt politicians. I'm not much of a religious guy, although um, I was raised in a, in a religious home. My mother kept a kosher house. My first wife, may she rest in peace, did the same. But I do know about the wisdom of Solomon, and I think we all know that story. Two women both claimed to be the mother of the same child, and there was no DNA testing back then. So Solomon, who was reputed to be the wisest man of his, of his time, thought about how do I figure out who's telling the truth? They didn't have polygraphs. They didn't have DNA. How in the world do you figure out which mother is the true mother of this child who certainly couldn't point the finger and say, that's my mom, because this is an infant we're talking about. And he came upon a strategy. King Solomon offered to have the baby cut in half so that each mother could get an equal share of the baby's remains. As he anticipated, one woman immediately said, get that knife out, I want my half. And the other mother screamed out in agony. And she said, oh, my God, better the other woman should have my child than one hair on his head be harmed. We have politicians who are so craven, so determined to seize power. And it's funny because when you look at them, they're old. You know, we're on this roller coaster of life and you look ahead and we're coming into that station in the not too distant future, unfortunately. It's a finite ride. And for just a couple of years, 
to be able to seize power and destroy what so many Americans have bled and given their lives and their, their, their blood, sweat, and tears to create, they're willing to destroy it so that they can maintain power just a little bit longer. This is a level of depravity and betrayal that I did not think was a possibility in this country, and especially by our leaders. They should know better, but they don't. If you want to talk about who is really dangerous, it is those people, just like that false mother, who want their piece of the action, no matter the carnage. And we are getting carnage. And it involves children being shot to death, sleeping in their beds or sitting in their strollers. They did nothing wrong except to be in the path of a bullet that never should have been fired from a criminal who never should have been out on the street. And if there's real concern about bad encounters between police and members of our society, community, the solution isn't to vilify the police and convince young people that the cops are the enemy. We have something in New York called the Police Athletic League where the cops come out and play sports with the kids so everyone understands that we're all just human beings and the cops are there to do a job and keep them safe. I was raised believing that the people who carry that badge carried with it the responsibility of being fair and that they were the people that I should seek if I couldn't get a hold of my own parents because they would protect me from whatever the problem was. We were all raised that way. And when I hear this nonsense about the talk, you know, these black politicians, I gave my child the talk. If the cop stops them, folks, I've given my kids the talk. And we're white. Law enforcement is dangerous work. I spent lots of years out on the street working with police, working with other federal agencies, arresting drug dealers and criminals. And it's remarkable because Chameleon Kamala has said, oh, I was a prosecutor and I took transnational gangs off the street. Guess who helped her? ICE agents. And what does she call ICE agents these days? Well, she compares them to the KKK. Who are these people? What do they stand for? What is their vision for America? We heard none of that at the convention. All that you heard about is that Donald Trump is evil and has to be, uh, maybe you should use the term, deposed. Their vision for America is one that keeps me awake at night, folks. This is not the Democrat Party that I signed up with back when I was in college. Please get involved. Have those conversations with your friends. Check out my articles at frontpagemag.com, frontpage magazine. I hope you'll consider uh, joining teamdmlnews.com where I do uh, podcasts. It's a subscription service. But most important, please remember to get involved and never forget that democracy is not a spectator sport. I thank you for joining me. I hope you all stay safe and have a great weekend. And I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long.